I'm Brendan Kearney, and you're listening to the Belgian Smack Podcast, where we explore the world of Belgian beer. Brauerei de Ranke emerged in the 1990s from a market of sweet, mass-produced beers and the growing influence in Belgium of industrial brewing conglomerates. De Ranke went for bitterness, choosing to use only whole hops in all of their beers, a bitter triple, a dry saison and a hop-forward pale ale. They went for sourness, blending top-fermented beer with lambic from Girardin, and they went for authenticity, being honest about their ingredients and being open to other brewers in Belgium. My guest this evening is Nino Basala, who started Duranca with Hido de Vos in 1996. Here Nino talks about the values of the brewery and the changes he has seen in the beer world over the last 20 years. He also talks about nurturing brewing talent and the influence that his brewery has had on younger Belgian breweries like De La Seine and Verzette, who brewed their beers in Duranca before establishing their own facilities. Sit back, listen and enjoy Nino Basala of Brauerei Duranca. Okay, Nino, so thanks for coming to Ghent. My um, pleasure. We've uh, poured our first beer, it's the Huldenberg. So um, tell me a little bit about uh, this beer and sort of what we're drinking. So it was always my, um, it was my, my first beer also. Um, I came from a family who was making lemonade and, and uh, soft drinks and uh, selling beer. So uh, when I was young, I was more into beer than into lemonade, so I want to do this. So my father said, you're crazy, you can't do beer. It's too difficult. So I, but I did continue to do my research for more than 10 years. And then in, in the nineties, I, I, uh, my beer was ready, I think for, for, for uh, being commercial. And uh, at that moment, my three favorites was uh, Orville, was Mala Triple and Monette Blonde, who is still an Abbey in that era then called an abbey. So I felt that my beer was uh, like a constitution of these three, the qualities of these three beers, trying to put it together. And uh, I felt that my uh, my beer should be an abbey beer. And uh, we got in Wibgen where I lived my whole life, uh, an abbey, the Goldenberg Abbey, was a defuncted abbey, but it was a Sister Schenzer Abbey, a Trappist Abbey, until 19, uh, 1794 until Napoleon closed it, but there's still the remainings. And the Guldenberg is, the name of this abbey is still very well known in the in the community of Wevelgem. So for me, it was the ideal uh, set off to make an abbey beer because I found out that most of the breweries in Belgium had their own abbey beer. For me, it's more like a style than a, a, something that refers to Trappist monks or monks. So Trappist beer is monks beer. Abbey beer is commercial beer. So that's the story of the Guldenberg. And it's a simple recipe because from the beginning, we were thinking of that the hops were the most important product in, in beer uh, or raw material in beer. So um, it's a beer that has just Pilsner malt and one kind of hop. It's like a single hop beer. It just... Uh, um, 
we put um, Hallertau Middelfruck in the beginning of the boil, end of the boil, and it's dry hopped with Hallertau Middelfruck also. Because the, the three the three sort of of those beers which you mentioned, Orval, Trappist beer, yeah. uh, Westmala, also Trappist beer, and then Moinet Blonde, which is from Dupont. Yeah. Those are beers which, you know, also have a quite an interesting malt profile, but are not perhaps the traditional sweet um, there's cer- cer- certainly some sweetness in those beers, but they're not the kind of the more maybe traditional or classic versions yeah, yeah. of those triples. And the Kuldenberg is also certainly not, you know, that sort Another of Another very sweet So, and, and what it has is, you know, people talk about it, I think they describe it mostly as, as a bitter triple, uh-huh. which perhaps is a signature of your brewery is, is hops and bitterness. So, I mean, you mentioned it there, but why, why do you think that, that that's such a central part of your identity? Wait, just because... I liked it, and my my uh, uh, business partner, or, or beer friend, or whatever you call it, uh, Guido is uh, also, also. We are both big lovers of bitterness and sourness. So that's what the first thing is. What you do if you may you start brewing is making uh, bitter beer. It's easier than making sour beer, I think. So we started with that, and and. It was a, a, a big pleasure that we had the, the hop. See, the hop in Belgium was so close for us. Popering is 40 kilometers from Wivelgem, so it was very reachable. Within half an hour, we could be at the hop farm and, and choose hops and, and see hops happening as I as spoken. Do, do you find, though, that the reputation of Belgium and Belgian beer outside of Belgium is that perhaps there's not a kind of a, mm-hmm. a a good expression of bitterness and hop, and, and sort of do you see that when you're traveling in different countries? Yeah, it's true, it's true. Um, Belgian are, are very well known for the sweet beers, for the what we are we, we don't do, but we are not Belgium, of course. We are a very t- tiny part of Belgium, and we, I consider ourselves. Although I I'm 58 and my, my partner is 58, also we we are becoming older. The the old grumpy man from the brewing scene now, but. We still consider ourselves as young growers, as uh, brewers who has, uh, are from from the new era, from the the beer revolution. Let's say uh, we were one of the first ones that said hop is much more important. You can't do uh, like what all all the other brewers did. Just continue uh, to to lower the the hop the hoppiness in the beer. It's 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 a shame, and we want to to react on that, and that's what we did. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned as well, just going back to the sort of start of the brewery story, you mentioned that um, your family was into beer distribution, so that kind of prompted your interest at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but you, you also, I mean, your, your name is Nino, which isn't necessarily a very a Belgian name. No, it's not necessarily a Belgian name. It's in, in reality, it's an Italian name. Okay, so you, you have a, an Italian family in your background. Yeah, I have an Italian. Uh, my father was Italian, was immigrated in 1948 and married my mother, who is Belgian. So how, how should uh, how should your surname be pronounced then? My surname uh, they pronounce it Bacelle in in, uh, in Belgium, in Italy is of course Bacelle. 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 So it's a little bit different, but it's the same. But Bacelle is fine for you. It's fine for me. If if I continue to to tell everyone that I, my name is Bacelle, it's gonna be complicated in Belgium, I think. Yeah, for sure. So so then you you kind of. Um, you, so you had this kind of interest in beer initially, and um, I presume you started homebrewing then at some yeah, point? Yeah, of course. I started homebrewing in 1981. So uh, that was uh, an era that it was still very difficult because there was no um, literature, there was nothing to find about brewing. It's, uh, 
and and if you could find something of course but it, it was not accessible for me and in, in, in particular uh, so and when when you went to another brewery and said I want to make be a brewer what ha- do I need to do to say maybe you will never do that you're you're not smart enough in the mar- the market is not good or all the books are in french and you you don't understand that so so what they said in was don't bother is is it has no no future don't do that but you did yeah i did because i was stubborn yeah yeah okay so you, you applied on and on sort of were you just learning as you went then from experiments in the kitchen yeah. or yeah. did you start to buy first a little time, bit of- first time i went to the farmer i bought some uh, uh, barley it was not the right one but whatever so i malted this barley and i made a beer of it it was not very good okay but it's comprehensible with all the the knowledge that they had then and little by little I learned by brewing, brewing, brewing. And then uh, in the mid 80s, I started a brewing course in Hent, CTL Hent in Voskoslaan. So that was a little bit of a formal education in brewing yeah. then? Yeah. And um, you kind of started brewing uh, in another facility that you didn't have your own facility at the start? Yeah, and I was thinking of making my own uh, brewing facility of 1000 liters. So I, I was looking for uh, equipment for that. And because of that, I was looking for old breweries who still existed. And you could see in that era, there were still a lot of breweries that were end of life, let's say, and were going to be closed um, within years. And so I visited a lot of them and, and uh, asked for, for for equipment. But it was not, not much for sale that was fitting fitted for, for a small brewery. So... Uh, um, in a cer- on a certain man- moment, I, I entered the, the Deca Brewery in Wooston, and it was just restarted af- after being uh, stopped by, by a bankruptcy. And uh, the owner, Mr. Christian, said to me, just come here and brew, and just you pay me by, by the brew. And it was a kind of location system, and it was, after thinking, it was a very easy way to, to start brewing. And when you went in to do your first brews on, on those kits, did you come with any of the recipes that you have today? Yeah, of course. We, we already had the, the Goldenberg recipe like it, like it was then. So we just start, started making it in 3,000 litres then. What was a huge amount for us. It was like, wow, when are we going to sell this? Yeah. <laughs> but I was lucky, lucky enough, me, my brother was still in, in the beer business, so we could sell a lot via this way. I got got uh, one already one client who was sure. So you were you were brewing the beer. I mean, obviously it it was a success from the start, and you saw people kind of being yeah, interested. Yeah, it was it was a little success, of course, but it was a local little success. First uh, year we brewed three three times thirty three hectoliter. I think it was like one hundred hectoliter. So in that era, it was it was okay. It was, but. From the beginning, I, I still got in mind also because I was in the business from beer business and also lemonade factory. So I know it, it was bottling lines and so it costs a huge amount of money. So I was very aware that from the fact that it, I, I could not expect to be as successful to making my job in the first years from it. So I always I started this business with thinking it should be a hobby and I I, I want to be able to make good beer, not depending on sales, not depending on commercial success. I want to make the best beer, basta. And then we will see what happens. And you were you were doing that 
And I mean, you mentioned now that you have a, a brewing partner or a brewing colleague in, in the brewery is uh, Hido Devos. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at what point did you cross paths with, with Hido and how did he get involved in Deranka? So I started um, brewing at Deca Brewery in, at, as Deranka, commercial brewery, not not under the name Deranka, but under my own name, Brewery Nino Basada. Okay. And then um, I ha- just had one beer. And at that moment, Guido was starting a, a beer taster club. You have so many you now. And um, they, they were, I didn't, don't think they were at that moment connected already with OBP or with Zitos. Yeah. But uh, he started with, with this. And by, of course, a beer tasters club has to taste beer, visiting breweries and brewers and, and just talking to brewers. And we had a lot of discussions. And, and I found he had a very good taste and we had some very good discussions and, and I found a partner, not, not at that moment is not a partner in brewing, but it was a, a partner in, in discussion about beer, thinking about beer, ideas about beer, uh, the way it should be. And, and we have the very similar taste. Both Similar loving, values as well about yeah, beer and the way both loving bitterness, both loving honest, just clean beers, uh, both loving also sours, lambics, and and so on. And f- and at a certain moment, he 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 just asked me, I wanted brewing myself also, and uh, have have him s- gave him some tips. And at the end, we said, why should we we work together? Because alone is difficult. You always need. For bottling, for example, it was all hand bottling. Um, so you need three, four people, and and then uh, the kids are not also willing to do it. <laughs> so we have have an extra partner. It was very, it was nice. And and was it at that point that you became Brauerei Duranka? Yeah, at that point point we we decided to split the existing business in two, or not split it in two, but just uh, uh, the the. Just making uh, a BVBR is a is like a limited company, company limited yeah. company, yes, yeah. and uh, to split the the ownership in, in two. So uh, Guido bought fifty percent of what I had already. Yeah. At that moment, so we are equal partners. And the name Duranka. Duranka is inspired by the hop the hopperanka. If you go to Popringa, you will find a pub that's called Duranka. You will find the Wetteranka, who is a, a like. Um, a, so kind of Rotary Club. Um, the Ranke means the hop vine, the plant of the hops. Okay. It's winding up seven meter high. And this whole plant, we call it in Flemish, a Ranke. And because we, we were thinking that hop is the most important ingredient in beer because it gives you the character of the beer, we called our brewery the Ranke. I mean, and that, that was, you know, it must have set you quite apart from um, other breweries at the time because, you know, th- there have been quite a few sort of hop forward uh, uh, breweries sort of come into existence, you know, in the last sort of five to 10 years. Yeah. But when you guys started, there, there really wasn't very much in terms of uh, hop forward beers, bitterness, uh, aromatics from hops. And there was a, a lot of very sweetened beers, yeah. perhaps sort of um, during that whole interbrew um, sort of conglomeration or takeover of smaller breweries at the time. I mean, were, were you kind of aware that this is we're doing something very different here? Yeah, I, I was. I was feeling that the whole scene was was changing, and and the only little lights I see in in the darkness was guys like um, Chris from 
Chris Hertelier from the Dollar Brewers, who was making his Arab beer, who has a quite bitter beer. And it, I think was maybe he was the first one who made really bitter beer again in, in, in Belgium. And um, But for on the other hand, we, we could see a lot of other beers that we liked before and we didn't like it anymore. We, we just felt it was so sweet, sweet, sweet. Why, why was that happening? Because the market was changing. Yeah, the market was changing and there was, of course, concentration. And what happens if, if there's concentration, you have to compete. And uh, if you have to compete, you need cheap beer and a big marketing budget. That's what all the bigger brewers were thinking. So we, if we want to survive, at that moment, there was no export. The market was only local and the market was difficult. There was a lot of comp- competing and, and brewers were thinking we should me- make cheap, cheaper beer and more mainstream, so we will be able to sell it to more, to more people with more marketing. And that's why almost all the brewers has changed their taste. Maybe some of the exceptions are maybe some of the Trappist beers. So, so in that environment, what did people think at that time of Duranka? Oh, most people didn't understand it. Most people were just thinking strange that this guy is starting a brewery and that why should you do that it's they're just breweries are just disappearing it's 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 um it's a story with no future it's a story i don't even in my family you could see people who who are thinking what is, he, what is he doing they're getting worried about you. yeah yeah they were not very worried because i still have my job and just did that by a hobby so you think it's a funny hobby but okay yeah um, I think we should have another beer. Let's yeah, try maybe. the XX Better. Yeah. Okay. So how would you describe the XX Better? If someone asked you to call it a style or to, to you know describe the flavor profile of the beer? Well, once again, it's it's a very simple beer. It's all about hops. It's just pilsner malt, malt, malt. So it's it's a it's quite simple. It's it's it has the body of a pilsner beer, and it's only six percent. So it's not the the story is not about alcohol. The story is not about the malt. The story is not about the yeast. It's not a very special yeast. The story is all about the hops. And in this kind, it's it's two kind of hops. It's Brewers Gold, uh, who has a very a little bit old-fashioned hop, who has a, a bitter hop, but only with five, six percent of alpha. So it's a low alpha bitter hop, and and then the halato plays the the role in the aromas. So it's it's a simple beer, and it was in fact it's the work of my partner Guido de Vos, and it's the, he that's why he convinced me to work with him together when we first presented his beer. It was not called XX Bitter; it was called Bitter of Vosse. From his name, mm-hmm. and it was inspired by uh, an, a brewery who is uh, that doesn't exist, but one of the new brewers in was Steche in Ostende, in the beginning of the eighties, and he made a beer that was called Verdragsam, and Verdragsam means how much can you can you take, mm-hmm. and it meant how much bitterness can you take. So it was trying to make as much bitterness possible. So there was always that element of extreme. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit thinking, how, how extreme can I be with hops? 
and still be very drink drinkable. It's maybe a big word, but it, uh, that's what the, the 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 inspiration of this beer. But the, the intention was to kind of use a very clean yeast um, yeah. that that fermented down because I mean the, the beer is quite dry, yeah, which also is a showcase for the for the hops and for that sort of the aftertaste the bit of yeah. bitterness. Um, and as you say, a very clean malt profile as well. You're just using Pils malt. So it really is a showcase of hops for, you know, in, yeah. in the beer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as you say, like you talked about how much bitterness can you take, you know, as being part of the inspiration for the beer. Uh, when this was released and you were kind of showing it off, I think you first uh, released this at a festival in Kortrijk. It was uh, released in a festival in Kortrijk. You were very well informed. It was in uh, one of the first festivals that was organized by the Hop. Hop. Uh, uh, here like objective proven yeah who became Zethos after yeah and um, it was in the old innovation in, in uh, Kortrijk and in, in the third floor I think and it was a very small festival and we we just bring it Guido presented this beer to me a few months before and that's it we have to sell this 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 is what I want to make my, my whole life already Goldenberg was was good but when I met XX Bitter, because I met it, it, yeah, it was yeah. just Guido's creation. I said, that's what I want to make, dry and, and very nice bitterness. And uh, I said, we're going to sell this. And Guido said, no, no, it's it's too bitter, I think. We, we can't sell it. So I said, we have to try. And then we showcased it there on, on this first festival. And it was not a huge success, maybe. And it, not everybody was coming, but... People who like bitterness said, "Oh, this is interesting," or "This is I like this very much." It's it's a it's a very maybe extreme beer in this way that you you love it or you hate it, you 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 drink it and you like it or you don't like it because it's more or less extreme. Yeah, I mean, and I think now you know people's palates have changed. The beer world has changed quite a lot, especially in Belgium, and you know it, it's not a sort of a you know, a sort of an extreme beer anymore. No, it, not at all. You know, and, I mean, you consider some of the stuff that's happening in other countries in terms of bitterness. Um, I mean, I think you mentioned to me before that when you designed this beer and when, when Hedo was putting it together and you guys were commercializing it, that um, actually IPAs hadn't really... No, we, at that moment, we didn't know what IPA was, to be honest. And uh, uh, when we, we, after this festival in Cortec, we did other festivals and... Some other brewers were coming and said, we heard you have a very bitter beer. And, and as brewer, we like bitterness. And, and they tried it. And most of them said this. They all said the same, more or less the same thing. It's, I like this, but I'm a brewer. You can't sell it. So we're going to see. We are just hobbyists. We, we do this alongside our, our job. So if you don't sell much, okay, we don't sell much. And is it now one of the beers that is kind of one of your most popular beers? Yeah, it's my or most popular beer. So it's, it's quite an iconic beer for the yeah, brewery. It's an iconic brewery, and it put us put us in the picture, and and especially for the export for America, for for also for Italy, for a lot of countries. Also. Now you, you mentioned as well that the, the the yeast you know is relatively clean, and you know it's it's there kind of to be in the background and to just do the job of attenuating fermenting. But that wasn't always the case because no, that's true. The, for a number of years, you were actually getting yeast from another brewery. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. In the beginning, um, 1994, we started with the Rodenbach yeast, and uh, Rodenbach yeast was very popular uh, uh, among brewers. Then a lot of small brewers were using. Yeah, a lot it. of small brewers were using them. Uh, and actually, Rodenbach used to um, 
say on their tours that they were very proud that other breweries in the yeah. region were using yeah. their yeast. Yeah. And they were selling the yeast. It was, um, I remember it was uh, a kind of uh, a small earning for the, for the, the people who were there. At middays, they sell uh, pots of yeast. And you could do the, go there and just ask for for uh, the yeast in, in a pot. And it's, I remember, I think remembering is 20, 20 francs, Belgian franc for, for one kilogram. And it, it was just uh, a byproduct for them. And um, we know we knew that uh, Chris Hertelier was brewing with Rodemark yeast. He had very good result on, on, on the Urbier. But later I, I, I uh, I have known that uh, also, for example, Strubber was using this yeast. Uh, Felix Odenard was using this yeast. Or a lot of other breweries were using this yeast. And for for uh, for for we for for us, that was a very really really easy way to to have fresh yeast, and it was very good yeast. And uh, until Rodenbach was taking over, uh, so so Palm came into the picture. Yeah. Picture, I think, in 1999 or 2000, 2000. Yeah. and then they uh, they said uh, no more yes for other breweries. The story was that some guys were making imitation of Rodenbach and even put it in their cakes and selling it. Possible and. Uh, so I mean, what sort of impact did that different yeast culture have on, on the beer itself? On yeah, it was a it was a big change because with the Rodemack yeast, we could see even the exec who was uh, a very dry beer and bitter beer, after six to seven months, developed a little bit slight uh, bit of sourness. So it was an extra accent on the Goldenberg and and the the exec because it was only these two beers that we made and also the Pernaval. Uh, until 2000, but then we have to decide to redesign the beers because. Uh, and did you find that sort of very difficult? Because obviously it you, was quite difficult. You attached yeah, to the first beers. we we tried to develop the together with Chris Hertelier, who had the same problem. We tried to to breed them, this yeast ourselves, but didn't work. Maybe we, we, because we were not skilled enough to do it. But it didn't work, and so. Uh, we have to decide to to choose to make another choice, and at the moment we dryists were coming up and uh, becoming popular, and we find some good dryists from Fermentis, and then we decided to go this way because once again, uh, yeast is not the 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 head player in our beer. Um, the most important taste is, is the hops. And we decided to to have a, a commercial yeast who was more or less neutral, and then the hops can change more. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, we'll, we'll talk maybe about sort of you, you have a penchant as well for sour beers um, as well as bitterness, and maybe we'll talk later on about the cuvée de Ranca. Yeah, um, but um, we talked about the, the Huldenberg, which is bitter triple. We've got the XX bitter. Um, you also have uh, a saison, yeah, which um, is is also kind of a sort of showcasing the hops. So tell me a little bit about the saison, how that one is constructed, and what you were thinking when you were designing it. So the 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 saison is from a very much later date. We we decided to to make a saison, and we went to to Dottigny. Um We were um, contract brewing or hiring a brewery just until two thousand four. 
But you, you, were, you were brewing at the brewery? You, at Deca Brewery, yeah. from 1994. But you, you weren't to, sending in a recipe that was made, you were actually... No, we were actually going there and, and we were... We hired a brewery, that's what it was in reality. So, um, we did that for 11 years and then we, when we des- decided to, uh, to design our own uh, brewery, we already bought a building in Dottini, it was... Uh, in old province, who is in Wallonia. So we are, I was living at that era in Wevelgem, my partner in, in uh, Zwevegem. It's both near Kortrijk, and it's uh, like three, four kilometers, five kilometers from the, the language border. So we didn't find a, a building was fitted or also cheap enough that we could pay it with our little uh, brewery. And uh, at the moment, we found it in, in Dottini, who is in Wallonia. Funny thing is, until 1963, it was uh, Flanders. And then the, 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 the language border shifted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so for people that maybe don't know the sort of the linguistic intricacies of Belgium, yeah, there yeah. are um, sort of three language communities. There's yeah. the Flemish in the north, the, the Walloon yeah. French speaking in the south. Then there's the, Germ- the small German speaking yeah, in the east. And then, of course, Brussels, which is sort of a mix of everything. And, and your brewery is on the uh, the, the, the Walloon French speaking side, yeah, yeah. just about, even though you guys are both Flemish. Yeah. So are are you a Walloon brewery or are you a Flemish brewery? Uh, we are a Belgian brewery, I think. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> we are very mixed. Um... But when you were moving across the border, yeah, did you have any concerns about doing all of your business in French, in the language French, rather than your own native language? And we try to avoid that. <laughs> it's not that we are, we are against speaking French, but if it's not your your uh, your uh, how do you say it your uh, native tongue, yeah, your 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 natural tongue, yeah. And, and so it's always more difficult, especially for administration. Uh, so well, this is it. You must have to do all your paperwork and everything yeah, in French. Yeah, that's that's why we we did we have decided to when we went to Dottini. We know that we should do everything in French, but we still decided to keep the the Maatschappelijke Zetel, the, the CS Social in French and English, I don't know. Uh, so it's like, yeah, you're, the legal entity. Yeah, the legal entity is still in Wevelgem. Yeah. my home. So that's your registered office. address, yeah. So, so your registered office is in Flanders. Yeah. And your, your physical brewery is in, is in Wallonia. Wallonia yeah. And, yeah. So. and you guys are both Flemish. Yeah. So it makes it more complicated. Sure, yeah. but that's just very bad. But it's not, it's all it's about the beer. Brewery. It's not about the identity or where we are. It's about the beer for us. Well, you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned um, Popering as a, as a sort of a hop growing, famous yeah. hop growing region in Belgium, but you also get your hops from Wallonia. Yeah. So you're getting some of your ingredients for also it's from... A, it's a funny coincidence that uh, we, our hop grower is Luc Lagache, who is uh, in Warneton or Waston for Flemish. And it's this, it's a little uh, island who is in, in West Flanders. And it's French speaking, it's Wallonia, but it's 10 kilometers from Popering. So it's, look, Lagasha grew up in, in, I think in Reningelst and uh, where his brother still is and growing hops. And from there he was looking for a farm and f- find one in, in Waston, in Warneton. So it's also Wallonia. Okay, good. So we've got this kind of very Belgian mix. Yeah. Um, and before you continue the story of the saison, let's maybe open it. Yeah. How does that sound? That's smart.
we have bought our, our uh, building in Dottony and we started our brewery. We said, no, we are in Malonia. We're in no province with province of the saisons. And we're both, we're loving our example it's all, of all days in saison is, is Dupont saison. It's a very dry, a little bit more about yeast maybe, but dry and hoppy saison. So that's, I don't have to lie. This is a, not an imitation, but it's, it's inspired by, by uh, Saison Dupont. Well, you're, so you're, you're in the region that, that, that it originated from and you're yeah. brewing in a style anyway that is very closely related yeah, to the style. It's, um, it has all the, the qualities that was in Saison in the old days. If you see, it was a, um, a beer for the land workers and it has to be a, a beer with dry beer, quenching beer, not too much alcohol. Uh, because they drank two, three, three liters a day. Of course, that, then it was beer from two, three degrees maybe. Now it's a beer, it's a com more commercial beer from five, five point five. It has the same color like the old saisons who are made with uh, malt that was um, malted on in the, in the, the farm, farm itself and with with a wood fire. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time with a wood fire or a, or a coal fire. So it means it was not pale. It was a little bit. Uh, it has some color. And then it's, uh, in this case, it's four hops with the old idea also that um, they used all the hops they have in the farm to make this kind of beer. It was uh, like a beer with leftover hops. So in this way, we, we used four hops in this beer. It's just the, the, the four that we used at the moment we created this beer. It was uh, Bruce Gold and Challenger for the bitterness and then the... Um, a lot of Mittelfrug again, and a lot of steering goldings. So the character of this beer is steering goldings. The nose, the aroma is steering goldings. But the idea is we have a mix of hops, just like in the old days, what is left over after the brewing season. And then we, what we are, are we going to use to make our saison beer? That's the idea. Another thing I've heard you talk about before with regard to hops is that you um, are quite adamant about only using whole hops. Mm -hmm. That's still the case? Yes, yeah, it's, it's still the case. It's still more the case. I will explain myself. Please. Um, until uh, when we started, brew when I started brewing alone at Deca Brewery, we were not permitted to, to use whole hops. So at Deca Brewery, they use all, only extract. So my first beer, my first golden bar was made with only extract. So I was not very satisfied with the hoppiness. So and then I... Uh, I went back to the brewer and said, I want to do something else. I want to take again your, it, he has a very old equipment. He has old copper, coppers to make beer. And he had a, uh, what they call in, in brewer's language, in Ted de Moor. Ted de Moor was a, 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 a big ball that you put in your brewing vessel and it's perforated. It's, um, and it was meant to keep the hops inside the vessel. So I said that, and it was in his, his uh, tasting room. It was on the, on the wall on his tasting room. So I, I said to him, I, I want to use this. Why are you not using more. it? I, I want to use it and re use real hops. So he said, no, we can't do that. It's, it's a showcase. It's, it's, it's a beauty, but we can't, we, we, we are not going to put it in, in the vessel again. So I said, can I make one myself and put it in? Okay, he said, if you pay it, I have no problem with it. So 
I decided to, to do it and I made a, a hop filter, put it in and brew it whole hops. And were the results quite different to the extract? Yes, it was quite, it was different, but not very, very different. But Guldenberg is not a very, very bitter beer. You see, it, but it, it was different as well. It has more freshness. And of course it was depending on how you can buy hops, when you can buy hops. When is, is it in the season? Because if you work with real hops, it's very important to have them in good quality and have them fresh and just keep them fresh. Because if you, you go back in the 70s, hops, whole hops have a bad reputation because you could buy whole hops at the harvest and then the result with the beer was very good. And then with aging, the hop was oxidated in a lot of uh, cases because they were just keeping the hops in the cellar or on the attic or wherever in the brewery where it's not very warm, but still it was 15 degrees. And then after New Year, you can't make good beer with this hops yeah, anymore so because it was oxidated. Yeah, it was cheesy, oxidated. It was just good for making goods and sour beers, but not for making good beer. So. In the 70s or 60s, a lot of brewers were seeing pellets are much better because it, you could pellet, you could keep, you could buy and you could keep, you could buy in the middle of the season and just you can keep it for four or five years without lose, losing quality. But if you're making bitter beer with a lot of beer, with a lot of hops, I mean, the, the, the taste difference is so big. And so we... From the beginning, we decided we have to go the way from whole hops and where it was in the beginning, we were more like, okay, if you can use just whole hops for aroma hops, we are satisfied with it. But little by little, we evaluated and we, we said, no, it's... You were doing this at a time when kind of there wasn't that much hop science, there wasn't that much information about no, sort of the not, chemical not reactions of hops. Even now, there's not much information. There's a lot of information. Yeah, uh, chemical information about hops, but there's no information about the difference between pellets or extract or, uh, or whole hops. There is no information, even now. Uh, at brewery schools, they're gonna tell you that whole hops are not so very good. But if you go now to brewery school in America, I'm sure they're gonna tell you that whole hops are much better. So they have a, a, a school there who is erected in, in the 80s and the 90s, where here, the schools are just still influenced and still telling stories that were happening in the 1960s or 70s because they were, they have no other choice than to make beer cheaper, to make more space for marketing. Yeah. Because of concentration. But you mentioned the word influence there and the main, that's kind of one other thing I wanted to, to, to talk to you about because there's been a number of other quite well-respected Belgian breweries who have kind of gone and tried out their recipes and brewed for a period of time at the Duranka facility, your own brewery. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in a way, you're kind of, or have been a, a nursery for some of the best young Belgian breweries out there. So, I mean, the first one that springs to mind is Yvonne de Bats from De La Seine, yeah, of course. Who, who worked yeah. As as an employee, was it? Yeah, he was. He he, he first we we know Ivan de Bats as a beer lover, of course. He was a, a big uh, fan of our beers, and then um, 
Ivan Burton, also some of our first importers, importers. Uh, so like Oli Sarmia from Finland was the f- first one who imported our beer to Finland. And also bring, brought in uh, uh, Dan Shelton uh, from Shelton Brothers Shelton in America, Brothers, America yeah. our uh, imported in America, who, was, who are both very import, important for us in, in the development of the brewery. And then Ivan was a, was a real beer lover, a hop lover. Uh, he liked bitterness and we appreciated him very much and his taste and his way of thinking of beer. He was very, maybe very little bit, maybe a little bit, uh, I, I don't, yeah, radical. Maybe okay, a little radical, bit radical, yeah. but, yeah. but we liked his, his way of thinking. Yeah. And um, he liked good beer and that was enough for us. So at a certain moment we needed, we were both working in a, on another job. And we needed some someone to be in at the brewery for one or two days in a week. So he was the Just, man, and he was the man. We we contacted him and said we want to do this, and and we both have a good job. We have kids at home, so we don't want to leave the job because it's gonna worry our wife very much. Yeah. So we said uh, we need something who is starting his career in brewing, and he want who want to do that. And Ivan said yes, and Ivan, I think Ivan was already then thinking maybe it's going to be the, the good experience to, to do my, my own, my own the, thing later. Yeah. The Dulesan beers were actually brewed for three or four years at Duranka after he was an employee. Yeah, yeah. So it, Ivan started working in 2004 for us, but then we were not brewing at the, in Dottany already. So first year he was mostly doing a, a commercial job in Brussels. And then um, last year he, he helped us in production mostly. So he learned how to brew. And uh, then he decided to go together with uh, Bernard from uh, St. Peter's Brewery to start his own brewery. They started, they were making a brewery with uh, John Rodriguez first, um, who, who didn't work out. And, and then they said, Bernard sold his little brewery from 300 liters. So we are, we are here, we, we don't have nothing. So, and I said, come here. We, we brew once a week in our, equipment that has 40 hectoliters so you can we have enough days in the week you can if you can do it in the week you can brew it then uh, Ivan stopped brewing uh, stopped working for us and uh, went together with Bernard and they brew all the beers at Duranka so you've seen the kind of development of the Dulesan yeah, beers yeah and do you like do you like their beers of course yeah they, they have the same kind of beers that we make they have dry beers bitter beers yeah. so you see a bit of, of your own personality as a brewery Duranka yeah. in, in their beers of course it's they have their own character of course but it's the same way of thinking same philosophy and I always thought that I felt when we developed we were very early in the scene when it the market was not ripe maybe not ready for for it I think you're much stronger if you can make a, a move with a lot of people, then if you do it all alone, uh, if you're alone to explain it to the people is a lot of work. And if you are with more, you can do more. Together, you're stronger. You could, yeah, you could make a, a kind of not a trend maybe, but make it more. Yeah, it's a, it's a mo- it's a movement together. Yeah. Where you a can, movement. Yeah. It's easier to explain to people when you have more yeah. people doing yeah. it. Yeah. Sure. Um, a, a younger brewery, but a brewery that's also kind of well-respected already, um, who also started out doing a lot of their brewing in your facility is uh, Bravas Fonset. Yeah. 
So, I mean, what do, do you also have a very good relationship with those guys? Yeah, the story of Bro Suzette is a little bit different. They're uh, guys from, from our region. And, and Joran, one of the three, is uh, uh, his father was our, uh, is in the cattle feed. And he was uh, one of our, our first guys who came to the brewery to take the spent grain, the spent grain to for the cattle. So that's that's the contact we had. And and Joran, uh, was, when he was growing up, he was visiting the brewery one sooner or later. He was not very interested in the beginning, but later he still he he, he was studying brewery. So he changed in, in in the way. And that's where he met Alex and Kuhn. And he met Alex and, and uh, Kuhn at, at school and they want to do their own thing. So they came to us and said, can we brew here? So. And do you also see a little bit of your personality from your brewery in, in what they do? Yeah, I, I think they, st- they still have this, this, the same way of thinking also. Not exactly the same, of course, they have their own character, but the old brewing, I, I think, is fantastic that they made. They, they make it and it's, it's the only old brewing who is not uh, filtered and pasteurized in the whole of Belgium. So that's wonderful to do this. And it's a bold thing to do it. it it's as bold as we did with bitter beers. And uh, Yeah, because that's one of the things that, you know, they have quite a range of beers. And one of the things they're famous for is their Old Brown. Yeah. And and that's kind of maybe where we should go next. Talk about your, your own fooder projects and your own yeah. you know, cask projects. So um, let's open your Cuvée de Ranca. Of course, no problem. So uh, it's Rank is, is a, in fact, it's a long story. Um, the origin of the Cuvée is, is in fact, is the origin of the Creek. We made, for, before we made Cuvée, we made Creek Duranka. And it's, uh, the origin is once again in, in the Rodenbach yeast, what we first using for the, the Guldenberg and the, the XX Better. So at a certain point, we had a request from a bar owner who said, "We want I want to have a special beer, f- and uh, but I don't like hops, so I, it should not have too much hops." So we made the beer with less hops, and it was more. It was quite common beer, five point five, uh, little bit amber colored. It was just more a crowd pleaser. But it was made with a Rodenbach yeast. And the funny thing was, after three weeks, it was sour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so at that moment, the, the bar owner said, I don't want this beer, it's sour. Yeah. So we were stuck with a, a brew of beer. And we said, what can we do? We can make Greek. Greek is a, is a, is ver, is a very nice beer. We all both like that. And, and we decided to put cherries, steep it on cherries. So was was this beer already in bottles? No, it wasn't ke- it was caked. So you could take that beer. Yeah, it was only caked, so that's what made it easy to recuperate it and put it on cherries. Okay. So we put this beer on on cherries, and then after six months we tasted the beer. Mm-hmm. We said it's nice, but it lacks some complexity. So uh, Guido has a, uh, a big uh, seller of old goods. So at a certain moment we said, why not trying to mix it with, with Lambic? So we, we tried it together with different Lambics and, and different amount of Lambics. And it came out that uh, uh, a mix with 30% Lambic Chardonnay was very nice. So we, we asked Chardonnay, can we buy Lambic? 
And then we made Crick Duranka with Lambic added, with 30% Lambic added. So it was 30% Lambic, then yeah. your, your cherries? Yeah. Were you using juice or fresh cherries? No, only whole cherries. Whole cherries. So your whole cherries, 30% Lambic. And what was your base beer? Base beer was the the beer that we made for the pub. Mm-hmm. So this, it's like, it was seven degrees. It was like uh, six and a half, seven degrees. It was like between the, the Golden Bar and the XX in... in uh, in alcohol and, and, and strongness and a and little bit color, a little bit like this, so um, amber so, color. So is that is that the, the, the recipe today, kind of t- more or less? Yeah, it's more or less still the same recipe. And are, are you using the using young Lambic? Yeah, we're using young Lambic, eight months, eight months to one year. Straight, straight into the blend? It's just straight into the blend before bottling. So the, the, the sort of the, the re-fermentation, is. the re-fermentation in the bottle, yeah. uh, you're getting some of those residual sugars from the Lambic itself. Yeah, yeah. And then later I got uh, a request from Dan Shelton from Shelton Brothers. He said, why don't you sell us also the base beer? The, the base beer that you make. I said, I don't want to do it because I I, I don't feel it's, it's good enough. And uh, it's not... You're not proud of putting it out its own, no. on its own. And then we, we went first time to America to visit some of the pubs that poured our beers. And it was in uh, uh, Devil in in the US, in New York. And I was drinking uh, Panil Barriquet. Panil Barriquet is an Italian brewery. It was uh, uh, founded by a guy who was who a wine winery. And they put all their beer in, in barriques. So it's, it's, it has very nice sourness. So it inspired me to say, yeah, that's what we should do. And, and then from there, we went to develop the, the cuvee. And uh, now we are aging a part of the beer in stainless steel, what we did before, and aging a part in barriques and blending it, and then putting also lambic to give it more complexity. And after blending it, it bottled and stays at the brewery for three, four months to develop. Because when you add the lambic, other bacteria come in, and it develops a whole new character. Yeah, character or taste. Yeah. And can I ask why you choose Girardin lambic above all, all other producers of lambic? Because we always felt this. This is the most complex lambic. I like Cantillon, for example, but Cantillon for me is more more one dimensional. You can. Lamb Jordan has some complexity that you find in no other lambic. You're just talking about the straight lambic and not particularly yeah, about I, the I'm talking about straight lambic because the complexity of Jordan you also find goose in other goose like Trifontaine or uh, but it's all always the same. They almost always have Jordan lambic and then you can recognize this lambic and, and the goose. And although it's it's a very old-fashioned and difficult guy to to do business with. The quality of Islamic is exceptional, I think. And what, what do you so, mean by difficult? How, how is it difficult sometimes? Well, it's it's an old-fashioned guy who is not looking for more sales. He just, you have to beg to, to have some of his beer. And uh, the f- funny story, for example, it is uh, when he sells a uh, 10 liter uh, uh, jars or jugs. He 
the Lambic is cheaper than when we buy 1,000 liter. We go there two times in a year for one cubitainer, 1,000 liter of Lambic. And we all always joking with, with Paul, we always say, Paul, we want to have 100 times 10 liter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he explains the whole story again, why the 10 liter is cheaper, because he wants it, his father wanted it to be democratic for the people who are on the brewery to have it at cheaper prices. And that's why he is keeping his beer or the price of his beer as low. Yeah. And if you go there for 1,000, you have to pay more. <laughs> so Well, I mean, you know, you talked about the complexity of the Jergadan. It certainly has come across in this beer. The It's really complex. It's got that lovely lactose arnis. It's, I think it's a, it's a really fantastic beer. Um, so, I mean, do, do you guys have any kind of plans for, for the sort of the short-term future other than keeping doing what you guys are doing? Yeah, we are, we are now expanding. We are, at the moment, we are at uh, maximum capacity of the brewery. We, the equipment is fitted for 5,000 hectoliters and we do 5,000 hectoliters actually. So we are now um, building a new new building. We have both uh, the neighbor... In Dottigny. Yeah, in Dottigny, yeah, same place. We have both some uh, extra uh, buildings and, and we are putting it down and we'll uh, build a new... Uh, uh, new RE where we have a uh, tap room uh, or tasting room more and then um, you will expand the, the brewery we will uh, have a bigger bottling line and uh, where we know because of the use of whole hops limit are limited um, to brew once every two days we will be able in the future to brew every day so we are adapting the installation to brew every day. So then we can make 40 hectoliters every day in place of every two days, six times a week in place of Fantastic. Uh, four times. And that opens the space to do new things because we have two young brewers, uh, Sander Vermeers and Jonas de Mulnar, who are two young brewers who has this, the same spirit, I think, as we have. They want to do just good things. And they are not interested at all to make a lot of hectoliters. They just uh, want that their hard work makes just good beer also. And uh, so means in the future we will have surely some new things. We are for this year we are preparing some uh, special, and that's a, a how do they say a premiere. Mm -hmm. We are exclusive. Uh, yeah, exclusive. exclusive. Thank you. <laughs> so we are we are uh, getting out. Um, uh, Vieille Provision, it's it's a uh, old barrique beer. Sure. Uh, not blended with lambic. So because we found out that some of the barriques developed so well that they worked to have their own uh, edition of 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 uh, their own cuvee, but not mixed with lambic. So we'll get that in end of the year. And we also uh, also making at the moment uh, one very special. It's in fact a birthday beer for Mudelambic, who is one oh, one of our John first. Was, yeah, John was one the of, bars in Brussels, yeah. the first bars who supported us. So it's uh, he's uh, having his tenth anniversary. For for dedication, we're making a, a beer with a lot of alcohol. It's uh, it's a ten percent. Uh, uh, you could say a black IPA, although it's it's. It's a dark beer with a lot of hops. Yeah, dark beer, a lot of lot of hops. So if you you look to the description of um, an IPA, it was a beer that was brewed 
as happy that it was undrinkable when it was very young. So we have respected this and it's uh, 100 IBUs. And then it was put in, in a hawk's head in a, in a wooden uh, vessel for nine months before bottling. So we done this and we have brewed it in December. So we know it's in the wood, it's in the, the uh, a wooden fooder. And it will come out when the new hops arrive. And new hops arrive, it will be dry hopped with the this hops. Wow, that sounds really interesting. So it should be nice also. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it will be a very small amount. Sure. Because it's still within the limits of the, the production we have yeah. now. And it's for that special occasion. And then I think from next year, we will be able to develop something new with more, could be more important for the brewery in volume. Uh, no, I, I look forward to um, to seeing what happens and uh, just want to thank you for bringing some uh, really good beers to, to for our chat today in, in Kent. Um, do, do you love what you do? Do you enjoy what you do, Nino? Oh, yes, very much. I, I'm, I have to pay attention not to, to be too much in, at the brewery. So uh, to take off from time to time because uh, it's my passion and it's, it's also my business now, but it's still my passion and uh, it's, I like very much what I do. I feel happy with, with making good beer and just see people enjoying it. Well, I certainly enjoyed it and let's drink to that. Thanks again for coming in. Santé. Santé. Salute. Thanks for listening, folks. If you want to hear more, why not subscribe to the podcast? And if you liked it, we'd love it if you left a review on iTunes. If there's someone you know you think would enjoy it, please do recommend it to them. And if you want to keep up with our stories, resources and projects on Belgian beer and Belgian chocolate, sign up for our email updates on belgiansmack.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.